0: Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to Latitude Live and the sixth episode of the Cyber Cyber People podcast. And this evening, uh, we are first of all, we're very happy to be back in the office, and we're even happier to be welcoming to the show Shane Feeney. Shane, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate your time this evening. Thank um, you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, Shane, who are you?
1: <laughs> right. So uh, to give you a bit of background, um, yes. I'm, an, I'm a digital engineer or communications engineer by trade. Um, I spent my time designing, building and delivering uh, data centres. I've done 36 data centres around the globe, uh, a lot in Europe, a couple in the US, a couple in uh, Australia. I've moved from there across to project management um, because of my understanding technology in the background and being able to uh, deliver successfully. And because of the design and build, uh, I've moved across into information security and cybersecurity. From there, I've uh, formalized my experience into certifications so I've picked up the CISP, the CISM, and also I'm an accredited ISO 27001 auditor. So I actually have a, a license to, uh, to audit.
2: Okay. Um,
1: uh, that's me in a nutshell.
0: All right. And your transition into cybersecurity, did that sort of happen organically or was that a conscious decision? What was Look, it that it was of, uh, attracted you?
1: It was a bit of both. Um, It it comes back to the point of why I moved across to project management of uh, large projects, um, was to deliver the product better and to implement it more cost-effectively. So looking at cybersecurity, um, I was still hearing that a number of companies were being, whilst they'd spent a lot of money on technology, they were still being hacked. They were still suffering from attacks and going under. Um, I'll give you a classic example. Back in 2018, uh, late 2018, there was a company called uh, American Medical Records, which spent $15 million on technology. Three months later, the FBI turned up at their doorstep and said, is this your database? And they said, oh, yes, it is. We've just spent a lot of money. Within three months, that company was gone. So they'd gone from 550 million US down to zero in the space of just on eight months, they disappeared. Um, Which sort of says that whilst you can buy the best of breed and put it in for cybersecurity, there is still something missing at the end of the day that needs to be looked at. And that something is the information information uh, security or the ISMS and the governance that goes with it, with it, and also how you implement that, and why you should implement it, and what's the approach uh, to getting that into place. Okay. Which is what we'll discuss tonight. All right.
0: All right. And why why did their them losing their database mean that they went out of business? Was it the undermining of the public trust in their company? Was that the issue or?
1: It- it was because all of their customers eventually left and they went elsewhere. Right. Um, their view was that if you can't look after our records, even though it was an invoicing for a number of hospitals, if you can't look after our records, we're going to go to someone else who is um, can guarantee our security at the end or security of our data at the end of the day.
2: Right.
0: Okay. Okay. So the issue for these this company was that they hadn't done what you're going to be talking about tonight. Is that correct? They hadn't implemented an ISMS. Okay. Understood.
1: So they they had implemented, as I said, $15 million worth of good cybersecurity, best of breed in the business. Um, And it came down to a question which I have seen in many of my customers. Is the data that you're currently getting from your cyber technologies meaningful to you? does it actually protect you at the end of the day? Um, Right. Whereas information security looks at that and says, well, what's our threat landscape? Uh, What's our threat appetite? Who are our threat actors? And does it really mean that we are actually covered?
2: Right, understood.
1: Uh, Do we have the right priorities in place um, for the data that we've got or for our assets? the assets being the technology as well as the people and the data so people process technology at the end of the day
0: right understood okay so this brings us nicely into the principal focus of our discussion this evening which is what exactly shane
1: yep so the the point of this is to look at it holistically to look at your technologies to look at information security management Um, the that's the first point. The second point is how do you measure and know that you are delivering to uh, standards that your your clients want you to to have? Uh, how do you give assurance and compliance to your customers and your shareholders at the end of the day? Um,
0: that's a good question. Having ISO
1: twenty seven thousand and one, it's a recognized standard. It is externally auditable, so you can have an independent view on it that's not tainted, Um, as opposed to a lot of other. And I talk about NIST here, and I talk about the CSA, the Cloud Security Architecture. um, There's the Australian ISM. And whilst they are good frameworks, they're not actually standards. So we need to distinguish between those two. but doing iso actually allows you to say for the nist um 800-171 which is what the defense department of australia requires you to meet you can actually demonstrate that you can say yes we've had an independent auditor come in and look at that and we're audited right uh, or NIST, uh the csf or the nist 800-50 uh, 853 release four so it gives you a good baseline to actually show your maturity, your give assurance and, and demonstrate compliance at the end of the day.
0: Right, right. It's an interesting point you, you, uh, you made a moment ago. You talked about um, standards and frameworks. So what is the difference between a, a standard and a framework in a security sense?
1: So a standard is an internationally recognised set of controls. It is externally auditable. So you can get auditors from around the globe. The standard is the same no matter where you are. A framework basically says that you should put these in place. How you audit it, how you implement it is entirely up to you. Now, you can say that that applies to ISO. But ISO has some very strict rules. As an auditor, I want to see this evidence and this evidence should have traceability back to the control that you've got. I should be able to demonstrate it. It should be repeatable. So it should be smart. In other words, that that (laughs) acronym is that you can measure it. It is time-bound. You can actually do a risk assessment of it at the end of the day. So... A framework basically says, and um, I'll talk about NIST here in particular. Excellent framework. Most of it is covered by the ISO quite happily. Um, to give you a comparison between the two, and uh, the NIST goes down to what's called work instructions, whereas the ISO stays up at the policy and procedure level. So procedures for ISO basically state that you should put in confident, or secure logins, but we don't care how you do it. So long as it's secure against the threat landscape that you've got. NIST may say that it's got, it goes down to the work instructions, which says, look, the minimum is that it's gotta be 15 characters long. It's gotta be mixed. It's gotta be this, it's gotta be that. It's gotta be something else in place. Uh, And that's in one of the substandards of NIST itself that you should implement this. Okay. That's great, but it's not measured against the threat landscape of your organization at the end of the day. So um, that's what NIST uh, ISO does. It looks at it and says, and I'll explain this a bit more a bit later, is what do you need to put into place to make yourself secure? Where should you focus your resources and your resources being your people, your costs, your money, where should you put money in place to it? Uh, What processes should you look at and actually measure more than measure others?
2: Okay,
0: understood. Okay, so um, if you're going to um, build an ISMS according to ISO 27K, what what do you need to uh, what do you need to do? What are the kind of key things? What's the process that you have to go through? Where do you start and where do you finish? Okay.
1: So sorry, um, a lot of questions at once, sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. So we need to understand that there is a difference between information security and cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is defined by as the ability to protect or defend the use of cyberspace from cyber attacks. Cybersecurity is a tactical action. You put this in place, you put a firewall in place, you put um, an IPS in place, you put intrusion detection in place. It is a tactical action and you monitor and, and manage that. Information security refers to protecting confidentiality, integrity and availability of data, no matter in its form. So it can be easily about protecting a filing cabinet, which is great. But most of our data is now digital. But that translates down to how do you protect that data once you've got it into your systems? Uh, How do you protect the PII data from the HR data from uh, data that relates to how your organization works? So information security is strategic. Right. It's the actions you take to say well in 5 years time we're going to be moving down here we need to adapt to this we need to change with the market and therefore the security requirements are going to change as well cybersecurity is a subset of information security okay that's the first key to understand
0: understood understood that's interesting i always thought uh, cybersecurity was a sort of modern buzzword used to describe what we used to refer to as information security. So that's very interesting.
2: Okay.
1: So that comes back to us, that comes up to our second point. It's called the CIA triad, and it's not a bunch of spies running around, (laughs) three of them. Yeah. Um, The CIA triad is the confidentiality, integrity, and availability. This is key to actually setting up your information and your cybersecurity. Okay. So to give you an example, if you're in a construction business, the question is, of that CIA triad, which one would come first? Now, most people would say that it's confidentiality. Well, the question is, is it really? Is you know the confidentiality of our data really that important when what we deliver or what we construct is done to engineering standards? And once the building's constructed or the freeway's constructed or it's a tunnel, you can actually go and have a look at it. And really, who cares whether the embankment of a of freeway is 21 degrees or 25 degrees? No one really cares about that sort of stuff. And once it's done, it's done, it's out in the public. And the other point about construction data is it goes out to multiple joint contractors. It has to be dispersed uh, because you've got multiple partners in actually building a freeway or building a building from various specialities to get it completed. So confidentiality doesn't apply that much in the construction industry. It does when you're doing a tender. Right. As opposed to health, confidentiality is priority number one. Right. Obviously. Right. You you protect uh, patient data. So in construction, availability is key. It comes first then the question is, what is second? Well, for construction, it's integrity. For health, it could be availability or integrity, but actually integrity is also second for health and availability is last for health. Right. So having that concept in your mind or having that stated for your organization means that I really need for construction, I really need to focus my controls and my management on availability and confidentiality comes third. Right. For health, it's the other way around, which means that you can then go to the market and say, hey, guys, what have you got for availability? Do I need multiple links? Do I need a good DR site? Do I need good people and processes in place focused around that? And that's because in the construction industry, if the servers are down or the information is down, for the first day, there's probably minimal impact, second day that impacts really starts to get noticed for the third day that you're out of business then you're starting to add up costs and you know you can spend 10 million dollars a day easily on a on a two billion dollar project so wow. that health is different because then you can use that data to actually which is what nation states do try and get hold of the health data to actually gain leverage on people to get uh, advantages in other areas
0: okay Understood.
1: So that's the CIA triad. And it's important to look at that. So next question is, the next step is, once we've done that, we've got a concept that you got information security and cybersecurity. We've now got our CIA triad of what's important to the organisation. In other words, I now understand my organisation. ISO 27001, um, control control or uh, section A.4, what's the context to the organisation? Who are my stakeholders? Right. So what is an ISMS? An ISMS is about people, processes, and and technology that is documented, governed, monitored, measured, and reported on, which comes back to my first example that I put forward with the American medical records. Okay. Right? they obviously didn't have good governance. or well, maybe they did have good governance. But the next question to ask is, was the data they were getting from their cyber technology meaningful to them? Right. So is the data representing what is really happening within my environment? So I'll, I'll give you another example. I had a customer who got out and bought a wonderful product called Splunk put it in, got it all up and running, got the reports out. And we looked at it and I said, what does this mean to the organisation? That was a health organisation. And everyone looked at me and said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, are we reporting on confidentiality with these indicators or with these reports or these trend lines? In other words, were the KPIs relating around uh, confidentiality or the KRIs showing what the trend was going to be on confidentiality, or was it focused on availability or integrity? Right. To which engineers right. looked at it and says, oh, wow, gee, yeah, you're right. Our KPIs that we've set up were just telling us what, the, what was happening in the background, that it was very noisy and a lot of things were going on. I said, yeah, but it's not meaningful to the executive. We can't actually put our hand on our heart and say we're reporting the right thing. Right. Which they weren't. So they went back, redesigned it, and then reported correct data. Okay. Now, that had a good uh, outcome at the end, which I'll talk about later. Okay. So you get that right. It mitigates data leakage, damage, destruction, or reputational damage. That's what an ISMS does. It governs and reports on performance. How are my cyber technologies going? Are they doing the job they're meant to be doing? It allows you to evaluate the threat landscape, identifies risks, and allows prioritization of efforts. So do I focus on availability, integrity, or confidentiality? Well, that depends upon the context of your organization. Okay. It's a system. It involves stakeholders, some of which you don't have any control over. So it is a collaborative effort. And having people buy into what you're currently doing actually makes your environment far more secure okay absolutely so there is a benefit at the end of the day okay understood all right uh shall we look at slide five
0: absolutely by the way you said kri you said kpi and kri kri is key reporting Key risk indicators. Key risk indicators. Okay. I'll
1: so KPIs actually tell us what's happened in the past. KRI's are telling us what's going, what may happen in the future. Got it. So Got it. if we're looking at our trend lines, we may see that. Um, I'll go back to the health, health uh, environment. We may see that there is a lot of background noise in a particular area which is unusual because it's happening out of hours, but no data is being exfiltrated. So that's an indicator because that background noise is starting to increase. That's an indicator that something is actually happening or preparing to happen. Right. So okay. you start, KRIs allow you to look into the future.
0: Okay. Understood.
1: So let's go to slide five. What does an IMS look like? This is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, This diagram, the one with security, risk and governance and risk management and continuous improvement, is actually in COVID. It looks a lot uglier in COVID, I've got to admit. Uh, It took me a while. I I stared at the COVID uh, ISMS diagram for a long, long time and said... I really don't get it, but I can see what it's trying to actually articulate at the end of the day. Right. An ISMS involves your stakeholders, the executive, ICT operations, legal, human resources, procurement. Okay. At the top, you've got security, risk, and governance. In other words, how is it performing that what we've got? Is it relevant? Is the data I'm getting meaningful? Who's my threat... Actors? What does the threat landscape look like for my industry? So, those questions get asked. It is built around the business strategy. So, what's the business going to do? In other words, what we're actually starting to do here is we're starting to turn information security from a blocker to something you can leverage off. So, the business strategy basically says for one of my customers, we're going to allow people to actually access the data from anywhere, which is a common statement. Okay, so if it's the construction industry, the project office needs to act, access the data. Excuse me. That's the business strategy to make the business profitable and grow. The ICT strategy says, okay, we will make the data or we'll allow people to log in from anywhere. The information security strategy says, I need to make that secure. How do I make that secure? How do I make it work so that the business can actually conduct doing business? So we now have a traceability from information security all the way up to the business strategy. And if the business strategy changes because the market changes, you've now got a new set of requirements to meet. Excuse me. The strategies dictate what the policies will look like. Now, policy can be a 30-page document or it can be a one-page document basically saying, we'll implement implement good confidentiality, availability, integrity uh, controls. You can then put directives under that, which says how you're going to do that at a high level, what you must do and how it should be executed. That then feeds into your processes and procedures which gets down to the nitty-gritty and your workflows of what you're going to do. At that point, it doesn't say whether or how to actually add a user into Oracle or how to add a user into SAP because they're slightly different. That's your work's instructions. Okay. That also dictates your roles and responsibilities. In other words, you can put a racy in your processes and procedures if you've done it correctly. Okay. You've actually now just met a whole block of ISO 27001 controls. Right. You've now got your metrics and measurements because you can now got a process that you can measure on how, how it performs, and you can put your controls and standards in place to make those processes and procedures work. Okay. Underpinning that is your cyber technologies. That's supported by risk management. And, of course, you go back with continual improvement, ITL, and say... How do I improve this? Now, the good thing about an ISMS is, once you get it in place, you'll actually start to make money. You'll start to operate more efficiently. You'll be able to see processes that can be automated, or you can go out and buy an app and put it into an automation, take your current resources and get them to focus on something far more important rather than doing dog's body work that could have been done with a workflow engine of some sort. Right. Understood. There is a cost benefit to doing this at the end of the day. Okay. And every company that I've done it for has managed to maintain their budget and get more things done, and they've started to realise where their holes are because that's the key to all of doing this. So let's go to slide six. Let's have okay. a look at it. So to get an ISM, ISMS up, it must be built on an IT service management. You must have something in place. Doesn't matter whether it's spreadsheets we go out and buy service now or Rapid7 or Splunk or whatever or you know, something out of the marketplace. But basically you must have some ITSM in place because you've got to execute your processes and procedures. You must be able to measure it. Now, what are you placing that on? So the diagram on the left is your assets and information at the core center. This is what's valuable to the company. Wrapped around that, you've got various technologies of AV, malware, hardening, patching, EDR, Vulnerability, Threat Intelligence, UEBA. And as you move out, you get fit, You go from cyber technology to information security. Understood. The point about this particular diagram is that this onion layer diagram is that there is no solution that will give you 100% protection. There's absolutely none, unless you unplug the PC from right. the network and right. work on it slowly that's the only protection okay understood uh, so having said that this layering or this onion onioning, onion yeah that's a word onion rings onion rings <laughs> yep yeah. uh, defense in depth what you're trying to do is make it difficult for someone to get in and by the time they've tripped over the second or third layer You've actually detected them. You can actually uh, um, disrupt their kill chain and have some proactive actions taken to block them. Or you might move them off to an environment where you can contain them in a sandbox and actually watch them more. Interesting. But the diagram the, on the, the hunter right, becomes the hunted. Yes, Now, the focus of this diagram on the left is the fact, or the the big takeaway from this is you are not and you will never be fully protected. It's impossible. There's always gonna be a hole somewhere. The diagram on the right, are a sample of security domains that you need to look at or that are covered by an ISMS. So email right. gateways, the same vulnerability and patch management, all covered by NIST, covered by the AUISM, covered by ISO 2700 a month. So this is a good representation. It's not the only representation. You can add and take stuff away depending upon your organization, whether you outsource or whether you keep stuff in. It's up to you. But fundamentally, having this model in your mind Says, well, I need to cover my forensics. Is my identity management done? Endpoint detection? How am I putting this in place? Okay, got it. Moving on from that, slide seven, we're going to have a look at it in a bit more detail. This is, I really like this one because this is built on NIST, the cybersecurity framework or CSF. And these are all the underpinning technologies, all the cyber security technologies that make everything work. At the very top, you've got governance and risk, ISO 27001. At the bottom, you've got your people and process, also ISO. And the middle bit is purely your NIST. Okay. So this is a nice way to represent it. The reason I've got the colours in the horizontal lines is, and some of the verticals as well, is that it shows that you can actually reflect the maturity of your cybersecurity architecture. So in this case, the seam is pretty poor, um, but we may look at uh, identity management and, and access, identity and access management as being okay, but it could be better. Right. So I, I really like this because it actually gives tells a lot within the, in the picture that's there.
0: Okay. And is this fairly representative of most of the organisations you've seen?
1: Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. Um, this is almost a universal diagram. Uh, I have. I look. I must admit to not generating it originally. Uh, the core was built by uh, a third party. Um, I've just added to it on the top and the bottom, and looked at the centre and made some changes there. So. Not the originator of this, but it's a good representation. Yeah. Right. And, of course, if you're reporting to the executive, uh, they are like uh, uh, crayons and lots of colours and diagrams. This is a good diagram to actually talk to and say, (laughs) we need to focus our efforts and money and expenditure in the areas that are red. Right. Because they're the areas that we don't have much maturity in.
0: So, green is, green is good, yellow needs improving, and red is uh, uh, in dire need of attention.
1: That's correct. Okay, got it. Okay. Okay. So, moving on. Next slide. <clears throat> okay. So, when an ISMS is built right, this is an actual example from a very large organization, 50,000 employees. Um, they've got... 14 billion security logs that were analysed and processed. 4,000 of those were potential incidents. Once they were validated, whether they were incidents or not, out of that came 1,917 security incidences were validated. Most of them could be fixed pretty quickly. Right. The last one, there were 16 severe incidents. Wow. So out of that, and I'll give you a, a good example of this. One of my customers, <clears throat> when I first came into them, they got the ransomware uh, virus in their environment. It disrupted their environment. Uh, it took them out for weeks. Um, they still managed to keep the company going. They still managed to do some of the stuff. They had to go back to... In a lot of cases, they had to go back to manual procedures to work. Okay. Which they kept running, and they got a couple of they got extra people in to actually help make that go. Okay. Coming back to the governance, once we put in governance in place, um, once we started to monitor, once we started to question the Splunk, the Splunk dashboard that we got, once we'd fixed that up, the next time they got ransomware. They cut down their out-of-work time from three weeks to three hours. They contained that ransomware breach within three hours. Wow. And of the 27,000 endpoints that they had, they contained it down to 100. Well, actually, it was less than 100. Wow. Because they were much more attuned and aware of what was going on. They'd put more Onion rings, more layers in place to actually trip up their hacker. Um, in this case, the ran- you know, getting the ransomware put in place, um, which was done accidentally. It wasn't on purpose. Um, they managed to contain it and it reduced their costs in their recovery at the end of the day. So a huge improvement. And that was in the space of six months.
0: Wow. Okay. It's amazing. So it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of time and it doesn't cost a lot of money to get this right. No,
1: No, it doesn't. And for the money you spend on it, you will get that back within the first 12 (laughs) months. And probably what you'll get it back before you even get certified.
0: Wow. So why do so many boards still think of cybersecurity as a cost sensor then?
1: Because they don't understand it. They don't. It's not tangible. Right. So in the journey of taking the board on, on board um, and saying, this is the benefit at the end of the day, how do you express that to the board? Right. Well, for one of my customers, three weeks of business disruption as compared to three hours. Right. That's measurable. That's tangible. at The end of the day. Okay. Um, Reputation damage, yeah, we got hacked, but we contained it. Uh, we didn't have to report it to the JCSC. We've got everything under control. We know what we're doing. We've recovered really well. Our budget and bottom line look much, much better. Okay. Um, reputational damage kept our name out of the newspapers. Right. At the end of the day. That is measurable.
0: Yeah, Absolutely and completely invaluable, the trust of your customers, Mm. public perception, it takes years and years to build that up and you can lose it in in a matter of hours, seconds. Yes. Understood. Okay.
1: Okay. So the the benefits are clear. Oh, yes, definitely the benefits are clear. And look, for all of my engagements, by the time I am two-thirds of the way through getting an ISMS in place, the IT department is actually starting to, how can I put it, not show a profit. They're starting to operate more efficiently. Right. Right. And therefore, their budget for the next year, you know, you know boards alike, you know, how can you reduce your budget by 20%? Well, gee, that's really tough because we've got, the, you know, our threat landscape is, has changed. Our threat actors have changed. These are the risks. We've got to cater for that. You're trying to squeeze more out of the current resources. Well, automate what you can, and take your resources and fo- get them to focus on those key risk areas.
2: Right. Okay. Okay.
1: So, moving on. Next slide. Slide nine. So, how do you measure yourself? How do you? This is this is a question that gets asked uh, many times. Um, Yes, we can go for the audit, but how do we know we're doing really well? How do we know where the the industry benchmark is? There is a framework called the Capability Maturity Model. It is really, really good. I use it every single time. It has five levels, which uh, level one basically is uh, the cowboy outfit. Level two is we're starting to do things, but we may add users in two or three different ways. Level three for the capability maturity is we've got a common framework on how we do things. Uh, We've got a process put in place that people generally follow and we can sort of measure it. Level four is we're actually got a process everyone's using it and we can measure it and we can report on it and it is functioning very well and we're operating starting to operate really efficiently right level five is the gold standard that's where you start to do a lot of navel gazing Uh, some companies get to that level quite happily Uh, others don't it costs a lot of effort and money to get to that point Level four is about where most companies should aim for. Uh, three, if you're on three, you should look at start to implement continual improvement. Right. So, okay. this radar uh, diagram is how you can measure your maturity and what it looks like at the end of the day. And you can put in the industry benchmark and say, well, in some areas we're really poor In other areas we're really good but we need to lift our game. Right. Okay. Okay. This is about getting the message across to the executive, how you represent it.
0: So do you have to start here often when you're engaging with clients and you're helping them put a good ISMS in place? Do you often have to start? Do you begin with this kind of assessment to find out where they are so that they can measure it properly?
1: Yes, certainly. Actually, before doing this, my first question is to them is what do you do? Oh, well, we construct roads. Why do you construct roads? Um, And start to drill into that. You know, you get to three levels of why, and then you finally get to what they actually do. Um, Once you've got that and you've got an understanding of the organisation, then you and, you know, where the CIA fits, you can then say this maturity assessment can be put on into play And you can say, well, in availability, your maturity is really, really poor. You need to pick it up. Most companies focus on confidentiality, and they spend a lot of money in that area. And I said, well, look, that's great. But really, your information is public anyhow. You give it out to contractors. This is for a construction company. Yeah. Why are you spending money in this area? And your maturity on that is really high. Therefore, your priorities are incorrect.
0: That's interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and look, I'll give you uh, another good example. Was uh, one customer had exactly that scenario. They'd focused on confidentiality. Uh, one day, one of their key crown jewels failed, and the business stopped. Basically, it stopped right. for that day. Um, Eventually, they got it up and running 24 hours later, so they did have a bit of a bottom-line impact, but they could cope with it. What they found on their investigation was that the RAID, back to their infrastructure, that their RAID card was being shared between their main system and their backup system. And, of course, it was the RAID card that failed. Right. All right. Um, because the guy who configured it said, oh, I just need to plug this in and get it all working, get it up and running and make sure that, you know, if the primary system fails, the secondary system fails over to the secondary one. Yeah, well, that was great, but there was no redundancy on that single point of failure. Oh, dear. Um, so once we'd identified that and we started to identify that availability was actually key, their whole focus shifted and they found major faults within the way that their infrastructure was set up they found major faults in access that they then had to go off and reprioritize and shift where they were spending the money right so good out good outcome for them at the end of the day
2: right
0: understood okay
1: okay so moving on slide 10 standards and frameworks which one is it <laughs> This is an interesting point of discussion I have with a lot of people um, because I hear a lot of conversations and people say, we're NIST compliant. Well, NIST is not externally auditable. There are auditors who will do it, but there is no standard to actually measure it against. So for uh, gracious sake, I say, well, look, you can't actually be compliant you can follow NIST but you can't give out attestation that you actually meet all the NIST controls you right. can't attest to it independently it's an internal one okay so the first one which is what most people talk about is the NIST CSF or cybersecurity framework it has 108 controls of which all of them are in ISO 27001 right which we'll be talking about later got it there's the NIST 53 release 4 that has 4,300 controls. Ouch. That takes in secret and top secret. Now, most companies don't need to put in a fair whack of these controls. Um, and it gets down to work instructions, which is if you change the system, if you go from Oracle to SAP, you need to change your work instructions, which means you know, you've then got to go back and read reapply NIST on top and say, do you meet these controls? I say 27,001, 114. NIST eight hundred one seven one 171 has 114 controls, but 600 plus objectives. This is what the department, Australian Department of Defence asks for. Okay. Um, so we'll park that one for a minute. There's the Australian ISM, or right fit for risk that has 794 controls, talks about policies and procedures and work instructions. Uh, You've got the New Zealand ISM and you've got a whole bunch of others. So when you're having these conversations about frameworks and standards, you must be talking about the same thing. Right. Uh, It is really important to clear up what you're trying to do. Right. And if someone says, oh, I want an external externally auditable then obviously they're talking about iso 27001
2: right okay
1: good thing about iso the really really good thing about iso is all of these other controls will very easily map to it okay so if you're doing 53r4 with it's four four and a half thousand controls you can very easily generate a matrix in uh, excel and say if we put this iso control in place these are all the nist stuff that we must be able to tick off at the end of the day and i guarantee you if you do it correctly you'll be able to do that quite easily right okay and economically it doesn't take a long time to do it's actually quite quick
0: right okay yeah and it needs to be kept simple for business right i mean if you if you use the wrong framework then you're Overly restricting your business, you're hampering, you're hindering. Yes. Okay.
1: Which is which is why we hear the statement that information security is a blocker, not something I can leverage off, because right. they're trying to put in 4,300 controls. Right. So I'll get to that in a minute. Anyhow, okay. look, let's go to the next slide. Okay. So how do we put this in? As an auditor, as an independent auditor with a license. I have very strict rules and conditions I must follow when I'm doing my work. My work also gets audited at the end. So I have a very high bar that I must meet at the end of the day. Otherwise, I can lose my licence, which makes life difficult for, uh, for paying my bills. Right. So typically, if it's done right and if it's planned correctly, the first three months is where we do the statement of applicability, that becomes a public document that goes on record for your certification. Right. You can actually bring up the ISO standards people and ask for Google's statement of applicability and have a look at it. Right. right? So getting that, that document right the first time is really key. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that happens in the first three m- months. You develop your necessary policies and procedures and look at any supporting artifacts you do some reviews, you get everything in place, you you actually build out the framework. Now there's a library of these documents and templates that you can actually poach and build off and fill them in. Great stuff. Okay. The next three months is when you actually put it into practice and align it to how you work. In other words, you actually start to set the baseline. You kick off the evidence gathering and you kick off the governance in that period as well. There's a really important reason for doing this. So you spend three months doing this. You know, you do your training and awareness, you start making sure that the evidence gathering is correct, you make adjustments, uh, you start putting everything in place in this second three months. In the third phase, about two months, you do an internal audit. So you look at where the gaps are, where it's failing, look at the risks that need to be mitigated, update your policies, update your procedures, confirm the evidence, look at a compliance review, make sure your risk register is happening, the reports are coming out, and they're all hunky-dory. Right. The reason it takes between six to nine months to do this is because you need to present evidence to the external auditor in the stage two audit report right right if you don't have this evidence if you can't go back at least six months the auditor will just say major non-compliance go fix it and you've got a limited window to get it fixed and you've just wasted twenty thousand dollars in getting them in right okay Um, so If you do it properly, this stuff gets built in or gets built up. The evidence gets built up and you can show the auditor. Right. Phase four of the last two months, this is key to understanding. The stage one external audit looks at your documentation, looks to see whether it makes sense. They ask a couple of people within the IT department and the information security department, you know, how do they implement it? How does it go? Do they understand where everything is? And they actually start to look at some of the evidence at the stage one audit. So it's a basically a documentation audit. Right. Got it. They will then come up with some observations and recommendations that you should fix some things, normal to do, and then they'll do the stage two audit. The stage two auditors, when they actually meet people and talk to them and ask to show that you show them the evidence of what you say you do, you do what you say. Right. Right. They do the stage two audit. It takes about three to five days for most organisations. can take up to two weeks. Okay. You've then got, if there are any minor nonconformities, And that's fine. You can have minor ones. If you've got two or three of them, they'll ask for a non-conformity plan to say how you're going to fix it and correct it within the next 12 months. Right. If you've got several minor non-conformities, that is classed as a major non-conformity, which means you've got a systemic problem within your organisations. Right. There is a window on how you're going to respond to that and get it fixed. And they will ask either A, to, that you walk away from the audit, or B, you fix them in a very short time frame.
0: Okay. And you've wasted another 20 grand.
1: And you've wasted more money. Right. So if you do all this properly at the beginning and you follow through, this framework has, for me, has worked flawlessly and everyone I've done it for or implemented it to has achieved certification. Excellent. So I know it works. And the external auditors have said they're happy with the result. Most of my customers achieve a CMM or maturity model level four. Um, some get to three, but I've never had anything anyone less than three. Right. So good uplift. Absolutely. So next slide, slide 13. Why ISO 27001? Good question, why should we do it? Why should we spend all this money? The first point is it delivers tangible benefits. It will deliver you cost savings almost instantly. Right. Certainly after the first three months, you'll actually start to see cost savings coming out of your IT department. Time efficiencies. For most of my customers, uh, one of my customers actually took them three weeks to get a person onboarded. They got it down to about two hours because they okay. can now see where, the, where they were going wrong. They could now see what they could automate and they could actually fix all that stuff up. They couldn't see it before. Right. So time efficiencies. In other words, more cost savings. The other key aspect is now that you're going for ISO 27001 or you, um, have got the certification, you're, you become preferential selection for tenders, especially for governments. Okay. So all of my customers have ended up on the top of the list for tenders once they've said they're doing ISO 27001. a month.
0: So it inspires confidence.
1: It inspires confidence. The last one is that it shows organizational commitment. In other words, you can now show compliance and give assurance and attest to that in your annual reports, okay. which makes the shareholders happy, which lifts the share price if you're a public company. Right. So there is a direct benefit at the end of the day.
0: It's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Spend the money. Go get it done. Yeah. It's great. Spend the money
0: to save the money.
1: Yes. Um, Look, it's quantifiable and measures information security performance, which is great. It shows your strengths and weaknesses, where you should be focusing, sets your priorities. It looks at your risks against the threat landscape where you should be mitigating risks as a priority and ones that you can actually leave to last. Um, It ensures that the cybersecurity is actually doing its job. In other words, if you see any KPIs that are going off the rails or any KRIs that point to a trend that things are going bad, it exposes those really quickly. Cyber technology does not do that. Mm. So it tracks on... Uh, reports and trends prioritizes security works and gives assurance. That's why you should do ISO.
2: Okay,
0: okay, wow. Well, you make it sa- you make it sound so simple and also so um, so sensible and so easy and so profitable. <laughs> And and is this why? So I mean, is it is it my imagination or is is absolutely everyone going down the ISO twenty seven K path at the moment? It seems like everyone's doing it right now. It's is it is it, is it what's the what's driving this? Is it is it the uh, is it the sort of the 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 wide. Um, publication of, of cyber incidents happening within large enterprises that's that's driving this or is it what what is Look, it exactly there's,
1: there's two there's two drivers. Um and I'd put that the the one you just mentioned is the secondary. The primary one is that if you're going to work with government, then you need to show commitment towards information security. Right. Now they're gonna ask for the NIST framework. The point is how do you put it in a NIST framework and attest to the fact that you comply to the NIST framework. Well, if you put in ISO and you put in the ma- and you do the tra- the matrix, the traceability matrix between NIST and ISO,
2: hmm.
1: you can actually show that you can comply, and it's externally attested.
0: Right, that's the key okay. thing, isn't it? An independent regulator is saying this yep. this enterprise actually is compliant. Correct. Okay.
1: Now, having done that, that means that your share price goes up, there's more value in the company, you become more of a trusted company at the end of the day, Uh, people trust you, uh, they're going to deal with you more, Um, there's a whole raft of benefits that actually come out of it for the company and for the shareholders, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my clients as an example one of my clients small depart- a small company they went the ISO path and in the following month they picked up the Australian tax office as a client.
2: Okay. Wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> so the commercial the commercial uh, argument is 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 plain to see. I mean this is yes. This is a tremendous competitive advantage. And and once Correct. you've once you've done this, like let's say you 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 engage Shane Feeney to come in and do this for you, how much ongoing maintenance is there once you've set everything up and you've you've been audited and you you are compliant? How much maintenance is there? How much ongoing um, support mm. is required?
1: Okay, so if you do it properly, very little. Okay. There is a surveillance audit that happens annually when your external auditor comes back and says, I'm just going to look at your controls to make sure they're working the way they should. Uh, There is a fee, a small fee associated with having the ISO certificate. Your surveillance audit is actually not that expensive. Um, I've got a couple of companies I work with. It's around about five to seven K for a large organisation, uh, I'd say for a small one, it's probably about two to five. So okay. it's, it's not that much. Uh, you do need to do an internal audit because uh, that becomes part of the annual external surveillance audit. Mm. Um, yeah, that costs a bit of money in terms of time, but you can do that internally or train someone up to do it or you can get someone external to do that independently. Um, the initial external audit for your certification will cost somewhere in the order of 15 to maybe 25,000, depending upon the size and complexity of your organization. That may sound like a lot, but your return on investment, once you've got it, is it'll open up doors left, right, and center in the marketplace
0: it's t- totally self-funding i mean it pays for itself yeah. and, and then and then some yes wow yeah. fantastic
1: you get more opportunities
0: really good really good fantastic absolutely and it uh, it creates confidence in your in your clientele in your existing clientele mm-hmm. and, and and can be used as a competitive advantage in acquiring new customers oh, and building nice your brand definitely. wow yes fantastic Fantastic. I think we've even started talking about uh, ISO 27K for our organization. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. uh, quite an interesting, uh, interesting. Watch this space. It'll be interesting to to revisit this in the future. Yeah. All right. So um, Shane, listen, I'm sure a lot of people are going to have questions for you. Um, how, how do people get hold of you who are, who are listening to this and have questions and want to uh, pick your brains and 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 perhaps even engage you how do, how do they reach you
1: yep okay look i, I do have a website um it's cmax uh, www.cemax.com.au um, you can send me an email there's uh, an email address on there you can actually contact me on
0: wonderful okay great well we we're going to with your permission we're going to share this presentation which is uh
1: sure.
0: um incredibly um Clear and easy to follow, uh, a step-by-step uh, uh, process of how you go about uh, creating a, uh, an ISMS under ISO 27K. So, Shane, I really appreciate I really appreciate your time. Thank you. This has been absolutely fascinating. You've made it incredibly simple and easy to understand, which I think is really half the battle uh, when you're dealing yes. with with business people who are really just thinking about the bottom line and cost and profit and so forth. And you've really Mm -hmm. delivered this in a a way that makes good commercial sense. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, I I hope we can have you back on the show again in the future. Certainly. Thank you very much, Shane. Really appreciate it. Have a lovely evening.
1: Thank you. Speak to you soon. Enjoy yours.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Bye.